Now, this is this wonderful sculpture was actually the, done to be the cover of Time magazine in 1969. And the, the sculptor's name was Harry Jackson. He's a Western sculptor. And he just got, I think he just captured Wayne. In fact, Wayne liked it so much that he called the sculptor up and they began a correspondence. And Wayne didn't live to see it, but the sculptor did a 14 foot high bronze of Wayne that's now in Beverly Hills and in front of a, uh, some corporation. But it's great. And this is the moment. This is in true grit. And it's the moment where John Wayne, all 250 pounds of him, <laughs> takes off after four outlaws. <laughs> it's just the magic moment for Mr. Wayne uh, as Rooster Cogburn. And this is the only role for which he won an Oscar. But he did. He won a Best Actor Oscar for this one. It's hard to look at this and think of the man that was born as Marion Morrison. He doesn't look like a Marion Morrison. <laughs> and he was born in Winterset, Iowa in, in 1907, the same year as Catherine Hepburn, by the way. OK. They don't want you to fall over, I guess. Anyway, uh, he was born in Winterset, Iowa, but his, his father was a pharmacist, and his father had a lung condition, so they moved from Iowa, which, which has cold winters, and they moved to Southern California, and his father started a ranch in the Mojave Desert. Not a very brilliant place to have a ranch, so when that didn't work, they moved to Glendale, and his father started a pharmacy there. And young John Wayne had a dog named, or John Wayne is Marion Morrison still, I'm sorry. It's hard for me to call him that. Uh, he had a dog named Duke, an Airedale. So that's a name that you'll hear a lot. And as a young kid, he was very good in high school. He was a good student and was on, on the football team, was great at football, got a scholarship to USC, and was a football player at USC for a couple of years. But then he kind of, Glendale is right near Hollywood, and he started to hang out at the studios. And he's a big strapping guy. He's six feet tall, he's good looking, strong. And so he's hired Tom Mix, who was in the 20s, one of the great silent film cowboys, liked him and he hired him to do props at Fox Studio. And he started to hang out with another young guy named John Ford. In 1930, Wayne is cast in a film by Raoul Walsh called The Big Trail. And it's kind of a widescreen epic, and he's very hopeful, but it doesn't do anything. You know, it just goes ka-chunk. And so for the next nine years, he just gets in a rut where he's making one film, not a very good film, after another. And he makes 70 of these films. 70? 70, 7-0. I mean, I mean they just whip these babies out. And they're all, some are called singing, <laughs> singing Sandy. I mean, he actually dubbed, was dubbed. He didn't have to sing. But we're not talking even B films here. But he just did it to earn money and just, you know, stay in the studios. And then his buddy John Ford started to get a little better known. And, and they were having drinks, as they tended to do one day. And he asked John Wayne, who was about to become Duke, he said, so I'm trying to cast this new film, Stagecoach, 1939, and I need somebody to be the Ringo Kid. 
And well, it was, that was his break, and so he's cast as a Ringo Kid, and it's an, an enormous success. And from that time on, his career, and, and John Ford's too, take off. And he does things, it's an interesting career. 1939 is, you know, we're on the brink of World War II, and so during the war, Wayne does not, he's, he's categorized 3A because he's married and he has four young kids. And, but he makes war movies. And so that's very successful. He becomes kind of an iconic war figure in Hollywood. I mean, who else? I mean, John Wayne fighting the... And then after the war, he makes... I think he's in a, a period where it's one of his most creative and best. He does uh, Fort Apache, Red River, the Howard Hawks-directed film, which is amazing. She wore a yellow ribbon. And then one of my fa favorite movies... The Quiet Man, which is a totally different kind of movie. Have you ever, Maureen O'Hara, he and Maureen O'Hara co-star in, in four or five films. Um, it's, it's set in Ireland. He's a, an Irishman who goes home. He's a, he's a boxer and he goes home. Anyway, it's a, if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to even try to describe it. There's a classic fight scene with Victor McLaughlin and that goes on for probably 15 minutes. It's a great film, another John Ford film. Uh, so, actually, the first time Wayne was on the cover of Time was in 1952 after he made The Quiet Man. And he was then described as the number one box office star in America. He was getting $250,000 a film then. In 1952, that was like real money. Mm -hmm. And he, he, you know, he's got, he was big and strong and he had a deep voice kind of a slow way of walking and talking. And so besides being the kind of all-American Western hero, he had a kind of reassuring presence that I think had translated pretty well on screen. In 1956, he does perhaps his best film. He, he liked the film best, The Searchers. Uh, in fact, he named one of his sons, he had like seven kids, and one of his sons was named Ethan, which was the role he played in that film. And then, then he does some odd things. He decides he wants to make The Alamo. In 1960, he makes The Alamo, and he directs it, he produces it, he does the whole thing, and he stars in it as Davy Crockett. It's not a huge success, but it's that part of his career, and he gets kind of political then in the 60s and as a child of the 60s I remember John Wayne kind of gritting my teeth because he was much very supportive of the war effort he did a film in the I think it was about 1968 called the Green Berets super patriotic fighting John Wayne and he really was kind of the right-wing conservative voice in an era dominated by the anti-war sentiment. But then, the year after he does Green Berets, he does this amazing film, True Grit, which blows everybody away, and people who, were, who had kind of typecast him as this right-wing super patriot, New York Times critic Vincent Canby just cannot stop saying more wonderful things about John Wayne and True Grit. So this is obviously a career role. And <laughs> he... He's not, you know, he's not exactly in wonderful shape anymore. He, he's, in fact, the director, Henry Hathaway, told him, put on some weight, you know, bulk it up. 
because you're supposed to look like you're past it. And he wears an eye patch, which he didn't want to wear, but he does. And there he is, this kind of enormous man galloping around. And as I said, in this scene, he's depicted chasing four outlaws, which he summarily does away with uh, pretty soon. But it's a great, great role. And after 69, well, he had... He has a bout of, with lung cancer in the 60s, which he overcomes. And then in the 70s, he, the films get a little not as distinguished, but he does a wonderful film that I like a lot, Rooster Cogburn, which was the role he played here. And he does it in 1975 with Catherine Hepburn. Same character, but it's kind of like the African queen, but instead of bogey, it's, it's Hepburn and, and Duke Wayne at that point. Um, and the last film he does is The Shootist, and he's pretty sick by that point. In fact, he plays his role as a, a man dying of cancer. Uh, and he, does, he dies in 1979 of stomach cancer, and he's pretty ill. But this big strapping guy, I mean, he became an iconic presence. As we always loved cowboys in, in popular culture. At the beginning of the century, some of the people who invented Hollywood, DeMille and Lasky and Samuel Goldwyn, went to Hollywood to make cowboy pictures because the sunlight was there and uh, they thought cowboys and Indians were out there too. Turned out not to be, but. So cowboys have always been a major part of movie history. Tom Mix, his mentor, was one of the great silent film cowboys. But it, there's hardly anybody who can approach Wayne's status as the iconic Western hero which is a big part of, um, you know, it's the West as the regenerative landscape and the open landscape where the single individual can be self-reliant and go out there and survive and conquer. That, that's kind of John Wayne. Do you have favorite John Wayne movies yourselves? Do any of you have? The Searchers. The Searchers. Where did he get the name from, John Wayne? Well, he took... Um, I think it was a studio thing. I mean, the, the Duke came from the dog, but I think he didn't get to invent his own names. Yeah, and it was maybe they, somebody saw one of the names on a billboard someplace or part of a name on the other. And it's with John Wayne, let's see, Bruce Baggett. No, John Wayne. And it's kind of... But that's the... No, 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 I was just... What was he like to work with? I don't think he was, um, Hepburn liked him because they were both of an age and they were both super professional. I think you had to be pretty professional. I know he, he didn't like, in Red River when Montgomery Cliff was cast, boy, he didn't want to do that. He just thought that Cliff was not going to be up to his standards, but Cliff almost stole the movie because he was a really good actor. And, and so he, I think he could be difficult but not demanding in the ways, I mean, he, he certainly had ways of operating. I mean, I think he's... Thanks very much. Oh, well, thank you all for coming. Thank you, thank you. And go rent, go rent some movies.